Well, hello, America. Mark Dunnigan with The Daily Answer. Today, let's talk about when conundrums dissolve. Yeah, there's a lot of things that people say, oh boy, that's a conundrum. That's complicated. Guess what? I'm impressed that the gospel, the gospel can dissolve conundrums and what seem like impossible, complicated situations. When both people in the situation act and live like Christians, it's amazing how quickly things can be resolved. Thus, the book of Philemon. Now, when Paul writes the book of Philemon, he's a prisoner. This is one of the books written along with Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians. It's written to Philemon, and a number of the people within this book that are mentioned are also mentioned in the book of Colossae, or the book to the the Colossians, in the city of Colossae. There we go. Got it. And so we find Philemon's character. It starts in verse 4. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and your faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus. You love Jesus. You trust Jesus. And toward all the saints, you love God's people. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become more effective through the knowledge of every good thing, which is in you for Christ's sake. Here's a man filled with desires to do good things. Here's a man who on the inside is pure. He's the real deal. He wants to do good deeds. He wants to do noble actions. He's a man of character and integrity. I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. That is, Paul had been a recipient of such love and probably hospitality because the hearts of the saints, that's God's people, have been refreshed through you, brother. Here's someone who has encouraged people. Uh, He's encouraged a lot of Christians. He's opened up his home to Christians. He's been generous. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, that is, I could just give you a command. And not only that, but I have the confidence that if I gave you a command to do something hard, you would do it. You would do it without question. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, an old man. Here I am. I'm a prisoner, and I'm getting old, and also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Yeah, I'm an apostle. I have the authority to command you to do, but I'd rather you do it because you want to do it. Yeah, that means a lot more. Here's the deal. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begot in my imprisonment. That is, Paul's in Rome, and this individual by the name of Onesimus, Paul has converted him. At some point, they have run into each other in Rome. Paul has had studies with him, taught the gospel to him. This man's been converted. He's a Christian now, who formerly was useless to you. That is, Onesimus is a slave. He had belonged to Philemon. He had run away from Philemon. He had at some point wronged Philemon, uh, either taken money or whatever. But, and here's a very brutal fact. He had been a lousy individual. He had been useless. He had caused trouble in the family or whatever, but he was basically useless. And the Bible does speak of people that are useless and worthless. I know, I know our culture is very like, ooh, no, nobody's really worthless. Well, you can act in a worthless manner. You can make yourself worthless. Now, you have value. You're made in the image of God, but you can turn yourself into a pretty useless individual. 
not useful to God or anybody else. You can become a troublemaker. You can cause a lot of chaos in this world if you go into sin. That's just the reality. Maybe you don't like that, but that's the reality. But it formerly was useless to you when he was a non-Christian, but now is useful both to you and to me. That is, man, this guy has such a great attitude now. Oh, he'd be great in your household, okay? He'd be great to have around. Good guy. But boy, I'd really like to keep him here in Rome too. He's useful to me. He's very useful in like getting classes and teaching people and helping people and helping the church here. Man, this guy is on fire for the Lord. All the, all the switches have been turned on him in his brain for good. I have sent him back to you in person. Now, could have wrote a letter saying, here's the way it is, and we could have exchanged net letters or emails or whatever, but no, no, that's not the right thing to do. He belongs to you, and I'm sending him back. Now, I know our culture, our culture is all sort of skittish about slavery. Oh, but you know, that's an easy card to play. That's a lazy card to play. Slavery there is in the Bible excuse me, slavery there is in the first century world and God doesn't start it and the Bible doesn't start it. If anything, the Bible, man starts it. Man starts slavery. And the Bible then comes along and severely regulates it. If you hit your servant, he goes free. He goes free with money, with compensation. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, one of the groups of people that's condemned that go to hell are slave dealers. You know, some translations have kidnappers, but the word there means a slave trader. Ah, oh, these people out there that have tried to say, well, the Bible talks about slavery. Does it just outright fully forbid it? Therefore, I'm going to reject the Bible. Ah, that's a lazy card, lazy card. You might want to read the passages on the regulations of slavery in the Old Testament, how tight it was. You might want to read the passages on that there were servants that said, I don't want to go free. I, I, I want to be in this family and work for this man the rest of my life because he's such a good man. Not only that, but in the New Testament, God doesn't, God doesn't pat the slave on the head and say, poor guy, poor guy. I don't expect much of you because you're oppressed. No, the same moral standard that's expected of everyone is expected of the servant. You might want to read Titus chapter 2, 9 and 10 and 11. That slaves were expected to live virtuous lives, not steal, not have a bad attitude, have a great attitude, even towards bad masters, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18 and following. That they're not victims. Not only that, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you might want to take a look at that chapter, that it really doesn't make a difference whether you're a slave or not. That does not impact your ability to serve God and be a faithful Christian. Okay, here's a man, here's a man that had slaves and he was not wicked. This idea that everyone in the past that had servants was a wicked person, boy, that's a naive idea. There's a lot of people in our culture that don't have any servants and incredibly wicked people that pe treat people horribly. Philemon is a great man and Paul makes it clear. And so Paul says, I'm sending him back. But 
when I send him back, I'm sending my heart. That's how dear this man has become to me. I wish to keep him with me so that on my behalf, he might minister me in my imprisonment for the gospel. I'd love to keep him here. We have grown very close and he's very useful. He's a great Christian. But without your cassette, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion because you have to do it, duty, but of your own free will. That's why God makes man with a free will because without free will, love doesn't mean anything. But giving man a free will also opens up the opportunity for rebellion and the misuse of that. And that's on us if we abuse our free will. For perhaps, great statement, it's interesting, Paul does not say, oh, I just know, I just know the reason that he ran away was so he could become a Christian. Paul doesn't do that. He's not arrogant. He's not boastful. He does not put God's name on something that he doesn't know if that's the truth or not. He says, you know, maybe all of this happened. Maybe all of this happened so that he could hear the truth and maybe that he could change, that he could learn some things, that his heart would be softened. And that you could have him back forever, but it says no longer as a slave, or we might say merely as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. That is a fellow brother in Christ, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Wow. You know, many people have noted that, yeah, New Testament just, New Testament doesn't come out and just outright say, Masters, you got to sell all your slaves. It does condemn slave traders. Let's do that. Condemns kidnappers. It condemns people in the slave business. But you know why slavery ends in the ancient world? is because of passages like this. Because of passages like in Ephesians chapter 6, where masters are reminded, you got a master. In a sense, we're all slaves, you guys. We're all slaves. And that's the point that Paul makes in Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay, you're free, but you're the Lord's slave. Okay, you're a slave, but you're a free man in Christ. There is a sense that we're all servants of someone or something. Uh, if your thought is, okay, but why doesn't God just allow me to do whatever I want to do all the time with anyone I want to do it with? Well, that, that's, that's being a narcissist. I mean, that's selfishness. And that's what the devil tried to sell to Adam and Eve. That is that it's wrong for God to put any sort of restrictions upon you at all. Yeah, that's naive. That, that, that appeals to the dark side in you. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would be. When he comes back, when he comes back, view, realize that when he comes back, part of me is coming back with him. View him the way you would view me. But if he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, charged that to my account, okay? You know, he, he may have taken things from you, may have really upset your family and caused a lot of problems and so on, okay? All right. Well, put it on my tab, he says. Put it on my tab. Oh, by, by, by the way, by the way, he says, not to mention the fact that you owe me your soul because I'm the one who taught you the gospel. But he doesn't belabor the point. Yeah, you can make a point with a sledgehammer, but you don't have to drive it home. And that would be verse 19. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. You can really 
give me a shot in the arm. You can help me so much. And I have confidence in your obedience. And I know that you will do even more than what I say. That is, you will go the second mile. You won't only welcome him back. You could give him his freedom. Or you could adopt him as your, your own son. I could see a man like Philemon doing that. Oh, and by the way, I'm headed your way. Prepare for me a lodging. Yeah. Get get the spare room ready. Man, you're going like, and, and if Philemon says, man, am I capable and up to this? Man, I have, he, he was trouble. He was trouble. And man, there's still water under the bridge. How about verse 25? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. How about that? Yeah. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. If both people act like Christians, it's amazing how the most complicated issues of life and conundrums can be resolved. Next, until next time, see you in the funny papers.